Hi, this is Jeff Cobra, and we welcome you to Disney Insights. In this episode, we'll celebrate a personal milestone for myself, but then we'll visit two fountains at Disney's Hollywood Studios and Disney's California Adventure. These fountains anonymously acknowledge William Mulholland and his contribution to bringing water to the state of California. He was a key figure in Golden Dreams, an early California, Disney California presentation that celebrated the heritage of the Golden State. He was even the namesake of an early Disney roller coaster attraction. We'll look at this fascinating figure and the leadership lessons that can be found from his life and legacy. By the way, make sure that uh, you visit DisneyInsights.com because a lot of links and images and photos and references uh, are, are provided there at our website. And be sure to subscribe to the both Disney Insights so that you could be made aware of upcoming um, podcasts. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast as well and give us a rating, review, referral to others if you have a chance. We appreciate it. Helps the littlest, uh, the littlest podcast that could to uh, move forward. So thanks so much. Make sure you also check out our Facebook page, Disney Insights, or our YouTube page of that same name. Now, <clears throat> before I get any further along, last month, I started an eight-month leadership training program with senior leaders associated with the Army Corps of Engineers. I have had this privilege in the public, private, and nonprofit sector, and this group has quickly become a great team to work with. As I stood on the first day to introduce myself, I realized in the very moment of that introduction that as of this month, I had been in business of delivering organizational training and development for 40 years. I honestly have felt this enormous sense of gratitude since. My life has been an amazing journey and it has been blessed with people who have supported me, cheered me on, and helped me to succeed. It originally began with a man seeing some 30 resumes in front of him and who commented, quote, I have interviewed all these individuals and found out that they are all more qualified than you. But for whatever reason, I've made it a matter of prayer and you are the one who is supposed to have this job. That job has led to decades of opportunity in this profession. From a tailored master's degree in this field to an internship at Southern California Edison and a thesis on educational Disney media researched at the archives, I came to work in amazing places across the country. Thanks in such great part to Diane Rowland, my path ultimately led me to working for Walt Disney World and the Disney Institute. From there, it led me to working with the Public Strategies Group, learning the art of consulting from people like Chuck and Mary Lofi and Lorraine Chang. I also started my own business 20 years ago with Performance Journeys and then started another firm, World Class Benchmarking, with my great business partner, Mark David Jones. In the process, I've had the chance to work from the UK to Dubai, from South Africa to Singapore, and across the entirety 
of this great country. Moreover, I've had the privilege of working for people like Stephen Blair, Anne Teresa, Megan Clough, Swapna Danadan, Kathy Weaver, and so many more. They have become more friends than clients, as have other associates like David Zanola, John Scally, Jeff Mitchell, Jim Bowe, Justin Rucker, and the incomparable Judy Daly, and again, so many more. At this kind of summit, it is clear how blessed I am for associates, friends, and most importantly, my wife, Kathy, and my children, Mikkel, Cameron, Braden, Jenica, Madison, and Preston. So where do you go from here? Well, I think Walt Disney summarized it well with some 40 years in the business, in his business, when he said, quote, I just want to leave you with this thought, that it's just been sort of a dress rehearsal and we're just getting started. So if any of you start resting on your laurels, I mean, just forget it because we are just getting started, end of quote. That statement works for me. I'm just getting started. We have so much more to do and I couldn't be more excited about it. So in short, thanks for being a part and thanks for continuing in this journey with me. Returning to the group that I started with last month, this group associated with the Army Corps of Engineers has a responsibility for a number of dams and reservoirs in the northwest part of the United States. Our first retreat was on top of Dorshak Dam outside of Orofino, Idaho, up on the Panhandle. Beautiful country, remote location. The dam with a height of 717 feet. This is the third tallest dam in the United States and the tallest straight axis concrete dam in the Western Hemisphere. For our retreat, the classroom was literally on top of this dam. You have to see the photos in um, Disney Insights with stunning and dizzying views on both sides. Mind you, I'm not big on heights, but it is there we met for several days. Having just finished my recent book on powerful insights from a century of Disney, I thought it'd be easy for me to do a review of Walt and so much of his leadership style. But I chose instead, as part of our study, to focus on William Mulholland. Most don't know who this man is, but he is symbolized in two of the Disney parks and even reenacted in a former Disney attraction, Golden Dream, much less showing up in the title of an original roller coaster in that same park at Disney California Adventure. The symbolization lies in two fountains that are based on a fountain that pays tribute to William Mulholland, close to the entrance of Griffith, Griffith Park out in Los Angeles, just walking distance from the famed carousel that Walt often brought his daughters to is Mulholland Fountain. The fountain lies at the crossroads of so many locations locations that probably Walt drove by many times each week. Here are the similarities between that Mulholland fountain and the ones that you see at Disney California Adventure and at 
um, Disney's Hollywood Studios. All fountains, and by the way, you'll want to see a photo, the photos of this um, that we have at Disney Insights. All three of the fountains are circular. All the fountains utilize tiered layers where water cascades. Their tiles are all done in turquoise. Some portion utilizes a vertical buttress symbolizing a sort of dam or gate. In the original Mulholland Fountain, you'll actually see water flow through it like an aqueduct gate. The center of all three fountains hosts a vertical or set of vertical fountains reaching into the air. And all are located at key intersections of their environment. The latter point is very much the case with the original Mulholland Fountain and Memorial in Los Angeles. The fountain is not only at a key intersection to the community, but was at a key intersection to the worlds of Walt Disney. The fountain is close to the entrance of Griffith Park, just walking distance from the famed carousel that Walt often brought his daughters to um, nearby. In a slightly different direction, you get the Tam O'Shanter restaurant where Walt and his staff often dined. Steps away is Hyperion Boulevard, which if you follow it, takes you to the location where Disney's original Hyperion Studios were. Move in an opposite direction from the fountain and you'll end up at the current Burbank Studios where the company is now headquartered. Still, a third direction takes you a short distance away to Walt Disney's Imagineering Glendale headquarters. No wonder that these two fountains in these parks serve at the intersection of both parks, especially at Disney California Adventure, where it graces the hub area in front of the Carthay Circle Theater, which is the castle icon to that park. While Disney's Hollywood Studios celebrates landmarks like Hollywood Boulevard, Sunset Boulevard, and Echo Lake, Disney's California Adventure's Buena Vista Street is more about Los Feliz, Silver Lake, and Elysian Heights, which are closer in this area to where the fountain actually is. So who is William Mulholland? William Mulholland is a prominent figure in the Disney theatrical attraction, Golden Dreams, which opened with Disney California Adventure back in 2000. If you're not familiar with this cinematic experience, Golden Dreams is essentially to California what the American Adventure is to the United States, only without animatronics. The film was narrated by Whoopi Goldberg, who served as the spirit Calafia, or Calafia, I don't know how exactly you pronounce it, the Queen of California. She's the spirit of that golden state, and she narrates the film, which showcases events ranging from Chinese immigrants working on the first railroads to Steve Jobs and the advent of Apple. The film only ran about seven years and was ultimately replaced by The Little Mermaid, Ariel's Undersea Adventure. The only thing that remains of the original structure is the Palace of Finites replica, which stands out in uh, the front of that attraction. During this film, the moment William Mulholland brought water to Los Angeles via the Los Angeles Aqueduct, well, that moment is depicted. When water doesn't come out of the aqueduct forthrightly, you see Whoopi crossing her fingers. But it was Mulholland that was actually crossing his fingers in real life as it poured out of the aqueduct and headed toward Los Angeles. 
Another tribute to William Mohan was naming two major roadways after him, Mohan Drive and Mohan Highway. Mohan Madness at Disney California Adventure was a wild mouse style roller coaster that played along to the craziness of Mohan Drive, which zigzags and curves along its um, drive. A map of that highway was uh, done in cartoon style in front of the coaster and gives you appreciation for the unexpected turns of Mulholland Drive. Unexpected turns could also be used to describe the life of William Mohan. He was born an Irish lad in 1855 and lost his mother at the age of seven. Beaten and abused by his dad, he made his way to the, lot, to the United States after joining the British Merchant Navy. In time, he made it to where he found an opportunity as a zineer or ditch tender for the Los Angeles City Water Company. That organization was led by Frederick Eaton, who took Mulholland under his wing and became something of a father figure. Eaton eventually became mayor in Los Angeles and brought the water company under the direction of the city. With it, Mulholland became its chief engineer. The city was growing 11 times faster than New York City and in time would become larger than New York in area size, but it did not have enough water supply. Eaton took Mulholland up some 233 miles north of Los Angeles to a place called Owen Valley. It was known for having an abundance of water that ran off of the Sierra Nevadas. The thought was to create a great aqueduct system that would run water to Los Angeles. Through all of this, what makes Mulholland so impressive in my mind was three things. First, he was trustworthy to the city and loyal to a vision for making it grow. Second, he was an amazing project planner. Third, he walked in the shoes of his employees. When I speak of being trustworthy and loyal to both the city and, and to this vision, he saw, he was articulate about the need for addressing the water famine, which would come every couple of years into Los Angeles at that time. There simply wasn't enough rain. And he emphasized, we must have it. If you don't get the water now, you'll never need it. The dead never get thirsty. Well, in truth, his evangelism toward bringing this, this aqueduct down from Owen Valley into Los Angeles led to um, basically a crusade to get the city to vote on $24.5 million. And this was going to be approved for approximately 250,000 residents at that time. It was a very controversial or seemingly controversial ballot issue. There was a lot of energy and passion around whether or not this aqueduct should be built at such an expensive price. But ultimately the bond for building the water um, aqueduct passed with a 10 to one margin. It even convinced President Teddy Roosevelt, who frankly, had promised Owen Valley some um, water rights uniquely for that area, but at the last minute gave in and allowed Los Angeles 
to take the water. Now I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes because that ultimately leads to a big, big challenge. But Mohand, he remained dedicated to his civic duty throughout his life. And even though others took advantage of this aqueduct, he never took advantage of it, never sought for, um, for claim or for um, taking advantage of it, um, unlike others who would later do so. One of those others was Fred Eaton, who became the mayor and who before that aqueduct was, before it was announced that the city of Los Angeles was going to be interested in building the aqueduct secretly, without even Mulholland knowing it at the time, went up and bought a lot of property, which in his mind would be worth a ton of money that he would then rent or sell back to Los Angeles. In other words, he had his own money-making scheme in the effort to build this aqueduct. There was also a board of control that were involved and knew secretly about what was happening with the potential of building this aqueduct. They, or members of that group, went out and bought much of what is um, the um, San Fernando Valley that is north. The San Fernando Valley, which by the way, is the same valley where the Walt Disney Company has its headquarters in Burbank. Burbank and, and all that area north of that is part of San Fernando Valley. And these individuals, before the newspapers made their announcement, secretly bought up purchase and purchased property as well, knowing that they could ultimately use the water to create um, uh, lots of farms and agriculture, uh, agricultural endeavors, and then ultimately even build uh, homes and cities on it. Well, while he was in the process of being so loyal and so visionary to this project, he was also a tremendous planner. Mulholland spent 18 months in advance of construction in massive preparations. He, mind you, much of this was coming um, through the desert and there were no roads, there were no trails. He had to build both. He had to build power plants. He had to build a cement company. He had to build in a telegraph and telephone lines. And he had to create enough water to help support all of that building along 150 desert miles. In the process, there were nine field hospitals that were built um, specifically along the route to take care of any of the injured that um, might uh, experience some kind of um, need along the way. 31 cooking camps were set up, led by a man who actually led the feeding of San Francisco after the great earthquake. Um, all of this was for the benefit of 5,000 men who came uh, and worked on this project. And yet, um, for the size of this experience, it was completed under time and under budget. And more amazingly, it was all committed to Mulholland's memory. One of the problem, one of the challenges is, is he didn't, maybe because he lacked the writing skills, but he didn't write out reports. He didn't write out all this stuff. 
much of it actually was just committed to his memory. He knew where every pipe was. He knew where every, um, wherever where the wiring was going. He knew where everything was along this long aqueduct. He was just amazing. And then the third thing that really stood in my mind is his ability to walk in the shoes of others. While these 5,000 men were all building this incredible sized aqueduct, he lived among the men in temperatures that were ranging from anywhere like 10 de degrees in the, in, the, in the middle of the night of the desert to 120 degrees in the middle of summer. He suffered being away from his wife who spent most of the time during the building of this aqueduct in bed dealing with cancer. Um, in the process, he made sure that his men were as safe as possible. I mentioned the hospitals that were built along the way and the, and the, and the food. Only five men actually died during the, build, during the building of this, which was pretty amazing because the Catskill aqueduct in New York, a contemporary aqueduct built during that same time frame, lost 160 men. Part of the reason why uh, he, uh, he had so few casualties is because he took the money and spent it on expensive modern German-made fuses, which were much more safe to detonate. All of this he did at the same time um, eventually falling victim to Parkinson's disease. And uh, he, just, he just really was um, a leader among the men. Quote, uh, a colleague of his wrote, quote, like a good general, he did not supervise, but directed and spent every waking moment he could next to his men in the field. And then another person once said, when Muhammad was asked what was the greatest act of charity a man could do, the son of the desert replied, to bring water to men. And this really describes who William Mulholland was. He really um, led uh, in an amazing way um, some major projects. And he ended up helping to build 30 of these dams in the greater California area and was also a consultant on dams such as the Hoover Dam and, and other um, enterprises along the Colorado River. Um, but what he's also probably kind of famous for was a particular dam that was built up along the top of this aqueduct run to kind of balance out the water as it ran down the aqueduct. It was known as the St. Francis Dam. And the choice of the dam may have been a little bit controversial. It may have been part of the problem ultimately, but the choice of where to put the dam was influenced in part because Mulholland, when he learned, even though he was faithful and he cared deeply about his mentor, um, uh, Fred Eaton, he did not build the dam in any location that would benefit Fred Eaton. And I actually, I believe Fred ended up actually dying sometime afterwards, fairly, uh, fairly broke because he did not benefit from the dam in the end. Um, unlike the Board of Control, which did on to 
um, Mulholland's chagrin benefit greatly in terms of building up the San Fernando Valley. But, um, but what happened is um, this dam, St. Francis, was, um, was built uh, along the top of the run for the uh, Los Angeles Aqueduct. Actually, let me, let me read from this if I could. In another feat, Mulholland built the St. Francis Dam, a curved concrete gravity dam in Ventura County design, intended to store water as part of the Los Angeles Aqueduct. Despite Mulholland's self-education, the dam broke shortly before midnight on March 12, 1928, just hours after he and his assistant had given it a safety inspection. When the dam broke, it killed some 500 people. Bodies would be found weeks later, washed up on the shores of beaches as far south as San Diego. That incident was the worst American civil engineering disaster of its time. And actually, by the way, the third worst um, uh, disaster in the history of the state of California. Mulholland ultimately would quit in disgrace, but he was not found guilty of any criminal act or intent. He did take full responsibility for his errors in human judgment. Still, he would respond, quote, the only ones I envy about this whole thing are the ones that are dead, end of quote. He really, it, he really suffered as a result of this and his career ended um, um, pretty much thereafter. He had a lot of critics for it, but uh, time is, time is, uh, finds grace for those who are uh, earlier pioneers and the highways and fountains found in Los Angeles are that that attribute themselves to William Mulholland are examples of of uh, how people have come to appreciate how he really tr transformed Los Angeles by making water available to it. And these attractions, past and present at uh, the Disney parks, are also their quiet ways of acknowledging the experience of William Mulholland. As with many of my podcasts, I often bring souvenirs to the table, uh, free souvenirs, and there are opportunities for you to consider some of the lessons from these stories. First off, what, how do you demonstrate that you are loyal to a vision or that you are loyal to the individuals and organizations you belong to? Second, what are the details you have to commit to in order to make a project or endeavor you're working on succeed? Third, how well have you committed those details to memory? Fourth, how does walking in the shoes of others increase your integrity before others? And finally, what does that look like to walk in the shoes of others at your work or among those you associate with? Those are all great souvenirs to consider in your own life 
and your own life experience. One final note I should make about the contribution of William Mulholland is he really set the way for building out a desire among people at that time to come to California. Well, and one of those people was Walt Disney. I think that California's success with the movies and with picture making and all that involves is really stems from the exodus of people from other parts of the country and other parts of the world coming to California to, to get their fortunes made. And that included Walt Disney himself. If you haven't had a chance, please check out A Century of Powerful Disney Insights. The first volume is about, well, it begins with Walt and Roy heading out to California to uh, begin their lives. I definitely would welcome and invite you to, to take a look at this book. I appreciated California Mom who wrote, Quote, I read A Century of Powerful Disney Insights, comma, volume one by J. Jeff Kober, while on a Disney cruise. I couldn't put the book down, even though there were so many fun things to do. This book kept me, age 55, thoroughly engaged. And as I read it, I did better at trivia, Disney trivia games on board. As a preface to my review, I rarely take the time to write reviews, especially positive ones. Additionally, I have labeled myself as a self-proclaimed Disney expert, but that's more about going to the parks. I'm part of a Disney family that goes to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, and parks out of the United States. I own a Disney Vacation Club ownership and do Disney cruises. My three children have all done book reports on biographies of Walt Disney while in school, and I read along with them. So I feel like I have some experience of books on Walt Disney. This book was a great read for me, not like a textbook. It was packed full of information on Walt Disney, Roy Disney, and Disney history. I learned so many new things that I've been sharing with the Disney crew. <laughs> Each chapter is well organized, packed full of information, and ends with reflective questions. These questions can be pondered on both a personal level or a professional one. The book is fascinating and increased my knowledge, love, amazement, admiration, and respect for Walt Disney and the company. I found some of the information utterly intriguing. I can't begin to imagine the work that went into this book. It is full of sources. The book is easy to understand, informational, Disney history lesson. If I ran a business, I'd want the author to do some trainings for my employees. This book is very inspirational and has great customer service and business lessons too. Thanks to the author for an easy to understand, enjoyable, personable, and educational book that added to my Disney knowledge. Thanks, J. Jeff Cobra. End of quote. Well, thanks. Thanks for a very kind remark. Uh, set of remarks on my new book, but I have to tell you, and I have to appreciate the fact, yeah, it did, it did take a lot of time. I did put a lot of effort, but I got to tell you, I love it. I love the book because it speaks to what we should be celebrating on this, the hundredth anniversary of the Walt Disney Company. So be sure to check it out. There's a link in the show notes of this podcast and, uh, 
and I'd love to hear from you as to your experience checking out this book. Well, that does it for this Disney Insights. Thanks for joining me and thanks for being patient. It was that retreat last week uh, that kept me from doing a podcast in the middle of nowhere, Idaho. Uh, So I apologize, uh, (laughs) Mark, um, and others of you who have mentioned that I've been missing podcasts, David. But, uh, But I do appreciate you listening and hope you will continue doing so. Meanwhile, always remember... Follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.